We have two themes today. Salt and light. Salt and light. Jesus is continuing the teaching of the Beatitudes. Now I have a question for you. Do you think of Jesus as a revolutionary? Yeah, definitely he was a revolutionary. A revolutionary in the best sense of the word. He was coming to change the way people saw and experienced his love and his life. If you were here last week, you heard the Beatitudes. And I told you that Jesus was turning the whole system of action and um, revelation upside down for the people, for the Jewish people. He was saying the long-awaited Messiah has come. He is here. He is right now. And he's teaching. So Jesus is gathering followers. He's going along. He's had his little crew up on the mountain for for the basics of the Beatitudes. But now more people are hearing and following him. And Jesus says to him, to them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. In the ancient world, salt was incredibly important. It was a preservative for their food, as well as something that added flavor to their food. It was the only way that they could keep a lot of their fish or other product, meat products around was to salt them for preservation. So salt was important. They knew it as a precious commodity. But not only was it necessary to preserve, it was necessary to sustain life. All of us need salt in some form to, sit, to, keep, to stay healthy. Now, some of us have limitations about how much salt we can have. But yet, salt is still a positive thing. Now, think about it. If you've ever had a bad cold, and you've gone to the beach, and just sat out there and let the salt air blow over you, then you feel better? Yeah, because salt opens up your sinuses. It's helping you to breathe. In fact, we now have salt rooms. How many of you have ever been to a salt room? Okay, not many. I suggest you try a salt room. I don't own any salt rooms, so I'm not marketing my product. But if you're not feeling well, you can go and you sit in this room for 45 minutes, lounging in this chair that falls back. Some people go to sleep. And very quiet music plays and salt air flows all around you. And it's amazing. I went there a few weeks ago when I really had a cold, and I could literally feel my sinuses opening up. But you don't even need to go there because you have a stuffy head. It is such a relaxing place to go. It's like the beach on steroids. There's something about salt that is healing and refreshing. So, Salt sharpens and refines the taste of food. It uh, relaxes you. It is healing. It has all kinds of properties. And Jesus says to his disciples, You, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. What does he mean by that? 
And how are we to be salt? Well, he didn't say that we had to become salt. He simply said we had to be salt. He said that his disciples were salt. Therefore, what does he mean? I think he means that we need to pay attention to the people we're with. We need to really listen to them and be in the moment with them. We need to be willing to speak into their lives. We need to be willing to pray for them where they are. We need to literally um, engage people in a deeper way than we often do. We need to add flavor to the world and to the people that we encounter by speaking words of healing and renewal and refreshment. So, when is someone said a word to you or done something that has changed your life or your way of thinking or just helped in some way. We all have had those times and those people were quite literally salt in our lives. They brought healing or words of comfort or solidarity or Love, or however it was in your case, and they became the salt for you. <clears throat> and Jesus goes on to say, You're not only salt, you're light. You're the light of the world. Okay, we pretty much take light for granted, right? I mean, we never have to be in a dark room. If the lights go out, we all have flashlights, we turn them on so we can see. Or do whatever we want. <clears throat> we all, we, we're not without light the bulk of the time. So we function on the, there's night and there's day, right? So it's dark at night. <clears throat> you turn on your lamp, you have light. And the next day all is fine because it's light outside. When my third daughter got married, she married a Navy pilot. And their first tour of duty together was in Keflavec, Iceland. Now, if you've ever been to Iceland, there are about three months of the year when it is what? Dark. Dark. Now, there's other, the flip side of that is, when we were there, it was light all day and all night. Even with blinds, it's hard to sleep when it's light all day and all night. But in the darkness, it was so dark. And um, so on the base, they literally, for the children particularly, had to bring in lights so that they could go outside and play and experience um, time outside because the darkness was overwhelming them. So we need light in our lives. And sometimes we don't find a lot of light except that which is artificial. Jesus says you're to be the light in the world. You're to bring love into somebody's life. I don't necessarily always feel better because I'm just sitting there reading a book under a light bulb. But when somebody calls and says, oh, I was just thinking about you, that's light in my world. That's bringing light in. He says, um, 
To be disciples, we have to be light. And I want you to think about something. The moon, which we often love to look at, you know, up in the sky, it's so beautiful and a full moon, but the moon gives off no light at all. The moon's light is all reflected from the sun. And so the moon does not manufacture its own light. It takes on the light of the sun. In the same way, that's the kind of light we're to take on. The light from the Son of God. The light from God should be reflected in our lives, in how we live. Now, we're to reflect God's mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and all of those things. Oh, and I wanted to tell you, do you remember the song from Godspell? It went, you are the light light to the world. But if that life is under a bushel... You have lost something kind of crucial. You've got to stay bright to be the light of the world. So let your light shine before men so that they may know some kindness again. And this last line is really important. We all need help to feel fine. We all need help. We all need the light of Christ. Jesus is teaching his disciples and us how we're to live in the world to be followers of him. We need to stop thinking about being Christians here in church and explore being Christians in the world in a more significant way. It's, um, it's pretty easy here at church. I mean, I love all of you. I can be nice and kind and gracious and all of that because... I know you and I love you. But I had an episode not long ago when I wasn't very kind or gracious. I certainly was not the light of the world or the salt of the earth. And it happened in Publix. Yep. I was in Publix. It had been a little bit of a hard day, but that's not enough to let myself off. I was in Publix, and I was just picking up a couple of things when this woman came up to me with a grocery cart about a third full. And she said to me, will you pay for my food? And I said, no, and turned away. I never took the time, and it's haunted me. It's haunted me. I told my warden, you know, this is what I did. It's haunted me. I never took the time to say, why do you need this help? What can I do to help you? Can I give you $20 to help you pay for it? I didn't do anything. I was not salt or light to that woman. I could have been. And she could have been somebody that was just playing the game. But that's not for me to decide. It's for me to do, to be salt and light in the world. So I haven't been very proud of it. And and I'm not kidding. It has haunted me that I did not reach out to her at all. So recently I discovered a group, and they are called the Florida Fellowship Foundation. And they are a group of Christian people who help people. 
And I found them in a day when I really needed extra help for one of our homeless people. I had already given about all I could give from my account here. And I happened to sit down. It was a real God story because I was late to cards to meet my husband for bridge. So I sat down and I said, oh, and I, I knew the other two people we were playing with. In fact, the person on my right I knew really well. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, but I've had so many calls for financial help today. It took me a while to get out of the church. And the guy that was sitting on my right, who I've known for probably 40 years, said to me, Karen, the next time you need help like that, quickly, you let me know, because I'm a member of this group. And what we do is give money to people in short-term need because we love Jesus and because Jesus has told us. So, true story, the next day, he called my husband, who's his golf partner, one of his golf partners, and he said, "Um, now what's your address where you live? And um, Charlie told him, and he said, okay, I'll be over in five minutes with a check for Karen for that man. I had told him that the man needed $206 for to rent a car. And I said, you know, and he might need a little bit of money for gas. The check that I received to give to this man was for $350. These people, many of whom I've found out that I know in this group, are salt and light where they don't even know who the recipients are. But they're doing what Jesus has called them to do. Their letter that they include when they give you this says that their donors always remain anonymous, but they are giving because they love Jesus. So, last week, I used the translation from the Beatitudes. You all remember that? Well, before we leave that, I want, before I get to that, I thought of something today I want extra to say. Um, when you go home, in your bulletin, read kind of the last part of the Isaiah passage where it says, if you do such and such, you are light. You are light to the world. And it's a beautiful passage, and I really was aware of it. In fact, that's a passage, that's a section that could have been left out of the, of the um, reading. It's the extra one that they say, oh, if you don't want to read anything that long. And Lisa had called me, and I said, no, leave it in. I might use it. And then I didn't use it, particularly in the sermon, but I did, um, when I heard it today, thought, we all need to go back and read that about how we are light in the world. And now moving on. Last week, you know, I read Eugene um, Peterson's translation of the Beatitudes. He is now dead. He died probably at least 20 years ago, I think. He wrote his book, his Bible, um, The Living Translation. It took him 10 years. And he began it when he retired as a theological professor and um, church leader. So this is what he was asked one time as he was getting much older. Someone came up to him and said, Eugene, if you were going to preach your last sermon, what would you want 
people to hear. And this is what he said. We need to stop thinking that being a Christian means always being part of only obvious religious context. We need to just pay attention to what the people around us are doing most every day and then help them do it in ways that glorify God. In my last sermon, I guess I'd want to say, go home and be good to your spouse. Treat your children with respect. Do a good job at work. We need to be salt in the real world. And that involves being genuinely real with people, listening to them well, and treating them, and really hear this, treating them as the little images of God they truly are. Being with people and treating them as the little images of God. They all are. I think that pretty much sums up what Jesus was saying. Be salt. Be light. Be a blessing. Amen.